title today is Richie Rich, and I'll be honest with you today, this, this subject, this topic that I'm speaking on today is a lot easier to teach than it is to apply. Matter of fact, it's a, it's a very challenging message to you, and it's a very challenging message to me, but I trust that the Lord is going to help us, is going to speak to us, and not only speak to us, but help us to apply His Word to our life. You know, the, the very interesting to, the thing to me is as I was studying this, this passage of Scripture that we're going to look at momentarily, as I was studying it this week, it was interesting that, that the early Christians have the same struggle that we have today. They, they have the same struggle of always wanting more. That they, they have the same struggle of not being content with what the, the, the Lord had already bless them with. And if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. We're going to pick up reading in verse number 6. We're going to be in this portion of Scripture uh, for, for all of our time together uh, this morning. The Scripture says, 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And, and that, that Scripture would be a whole lot easier for us if it just said godliness is great gain. But the scripture says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Notice what Paul says, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. And now, now here's where the rubber meets the road. Here is where it gets very difficult as Paul gives us the, 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 the application, the practical side of what contentment should look like for the believer. Verse 80 says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And most of us say, uh-uh, Paul, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Speak for yourself. Paul says, listen, you and I as believers, we, we've got to learn to be content. And the struggle of being content, I really believe it's 100 times worse today in our society, in our culture today, because we live in a culture where we actually see what we want. We don't just hear about it. We don't just hear about it being overseas somewhere. It's actually right here. We see that the new house is going up. We see the new cars driving down the street. We see the new iPod, the new laptop that our co-worker has. We we actually see the stuff that we, that we want. And not only do we, we see it, but companies literally spend millions of dollars a year in advertising, slick promotion, to make sure that you and I want what we don't have. And there's nothing wrong with promotion and advertisement, but, but it's just another lure that we deal with, with this desire of, of always wanting more, this desire of, of not being content with what we already have. And many people, many people struggle with the whole arena of being content with what they, what they have. Matter of fact, this struggle takes place and begins as a kid. And now that I have three kids, I'm, I'm very aware of this. You know, my little kids and all three of them, even my little girl, she just turns a year old uh, this month. And, and when she sees her brothers with something, she, she wants it. And she wants to have it. And as a matter of fact, Kel and I, my, my oldest son, we, we, we had a little conversation this week. We sitting on the couch together and, and his, his little brother, or, uh, his, the, the middle child, had a toy and he was playing with it. And Kel said, Daddy, that's my toy. That's my toy. And, and I want it. I began to explain to him, son, that's all of your toys. And you have to share your toys. And, and, and he said, but, but dad, but, but dad, but dad, I want it. I said, son, your brother's playing with it. But dad, 
I want it. And every once in a while, my, my kids will throw a Cooper dance and a, a Cooper scream. And, and I can't do that again. It has to be a special anointing on me to do that twice. And so we'll just, we'll just do that once. But and, and you know the interesting thing? The interesting thing is this. Before he saw his brother playing with it, he didn't want it. But when he saw his brother had that, all of a sudden, he wanted what he didn't have. And friends, can I tell you, even as adults, we deal with that same struggle. Now, we're a lot more sophisticated in how we handle it. But, but, but we have the same struggle. You, you, you know, the, the Lord's blessed you, and may, maybe you have, have a car. This is a little Pontiac car. Uh, two-door car, and you, 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 the Lord's been good to you and blessed you. You drive around in your car. It may, may not be brand new. You may be 10 years old, 20 years old, but, but it meets your needs and gets you to work, gets you to the grocery store. And, and you, matter of fact, you love your little car. God's been good to you, and, and, and you, you feel pretty content with your car until all of a sudden one of your coworkers pulls up in the Cadillac, Cadillac Escalade. And, and all of a sudden, as you... Get to look at this four-door vehicle, and uh, they ask you, hey, you want to ride with us for lunch? You say, yeah, and you get in there, and you're like, whoa, Nelly, I tell you what, this is a, my friend. And all of a sudden, you don't want your little Pontiac anymore. You, you start to want the Cadillac Escalade now. You begin to want what you don't, what you don't have. Matter of fact, I, I dealt with this personally. I, I dealt with th- this feeling of, of wanting what I didn't have. It was about a month and a half or so ago. My, my wife's car, her vehicle, we had to put it into, into the shop. And, and the dealership where we put it in that, that was working on it, it took them a couple of days to, to get the car uh, fixed. And, and so what they did, they, they, they loaned us one of their vehicles from the new car dealership department. It was a brand new black GMC pickup, extended cab, fully loaded. And I got in that black pickup, and boy, I was rolling in that truck. I, looking around at folks as I was driving, you know, I was kind of feeling good. And matter of fact, I pulled up at the office. I pulled, and when I pulled up at the office and got inside at my office, I, folks were coming into my office that, that, that work here at the church. They were coming to my office and said, Pastor, did you get a new car? No, no, I just, I just, it's a loader. I buy, you know, my the other car is getting worked on. And so, I, and you know what I loved about that car? It, it was so enticing. It just smelled so good. I mean, I don't know what they do to those new cars, but I mean, it, I just love the smell of that new car. And in my mind, even though I knew we didn't need it, in my mind, I thought, you know, I, I wouldn't look half bad in this black truck, you know. I, I mean, and I know why they loaned me a brand new car, you know what I mean? My car's broke, you're driving a broke car, here's a new one. I mean, I know what they were trying to do to me. And, and you know the interesting thing is when I got back into our car when it was fixed, I got in there and our vehicle smelled like family. I mean, it, 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 if you know, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I, I can't explain it. I don't know how, how it gets in there, but it smelled like family. And I begin to think, why come our car can't smell like that new one? I mean, I just, and, and you start wanting what, what, what you don't have. You, you're no longer content with what the Lord has blessed you with. Maybe for some of you, the, the Lord's blessed you and, and you have a house to live in or 
Some of you may be a, a duplex or an apartment. And, 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 but, you know, you feel so blessed because you think, and God's been good to us. You know, three or four, five, ten years ago, we were hoping to get a house. I was hoping to upgrade from a one-bedroom to a, to a two-bedroom. I, I was just hoping. And, and God's been so good to us and, and blessed us so much. And all of a sudden, one of your friends invite you over to, to their home. And, and you get to their home. And... and uh, <laughs> And, and, and all of a sudden, you don't want your home, man. And you start walking around. You say, you see all that square footage? They got? I, did you see the kitchen in that house? Did you see the crown molding on, uh, on the walls? The ceiling, I, they had to be 30 feet tall. Ceilings, they had a double oven. And all of a sudden, you felt so blessed in your house. And you got back home and you started looking at your house. And you said, look at this old thing. I don't want this, I want this house anymore. And, and, and you start acting just like my, my, my kids, except you're a little bit more sophisticated. But you start saying something like this. I, but, but I want it. I, I want it. Honey, we can't afford it. But, but I want it. I, I have to have it. And we start wanting things and no longer content with what the Lord has already blessed us with. Don't you wish that, that, that I could create this invention? There was, there was this brand new invention that, that I created and, and I could put it down here in the front of the church and it was called the, the content invention. And all you have to do is come down here and push the, the button, the content button, and you'll be content with what you have the rest of your life. I mean, if there was a machine like this down here at the front of this church, you know what you do at the end of this service? Right now, matter of fact, some of you right now, you'd grab your wife and you'd say, get down there right now and push that button. You know, some of you would tell your husband, you get here right now. You get down there and I want you, you get your kids out of the kids' church. You push that button now because you always want something. And unfortunately, there is no, there is no content machine that you can push a button and be content the rest of your life. But, but God's word gives us some keys on how you and I as Christ followers can be content with what the Lord has blessed us with. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, I want us to look at four keys to contentment. Point number one is this. If you want to really be content, number one is this. You need to recognize the dangers of discontentment. Recognize the dangers of discontentment. Look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 9. The scripture says, people who want to get rich or, or want to live richly or, or want more than they need fall into temptation and a trap. Everybody say trap. Notice it, and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Paul tells Timothy that people who want to get rich, people who are never content with what the Lord has blessed them with, they fall into a trap. They don't even see the destruction coming. They're focused on always wanting more. They don't see the destruction ahead of them. As a matter of fact, the very thing that they thought was going to bring them happiness destroyed their life. You see, friends, that that discontentment, that desire of always wanting more has led many people into places they never thought they would be. Friends, can I tell you that discontentment has destroyed many relationships. I mean, you've seen it. You, you know some people, some, some co-workers, some, some friends whose relationship was destroyed 
because they, they wanted more and, and the husband just, just worked and, and was worked and he, he was so driven and, and motivated. Had, had to make more, had to have more money, got to get more stuff and was driven and controlled and, and motivated by it and, and spent no time with this, his wife and, and, and the marriage. Ended. The, the, the wife was so career oriented and, and she wanted to climb the corporate ladder and, and that was her desire and that was her focus. I got to make more money. I got to accumulate more stuff. I, I got to get a bigger this and, and a bigger that. And, and that was the drive of her life and didn't spend any time with her husband and, and, and the marriage fell apart. I mean, you, you've seen it. You, you, you know some friends. that They're popping in your mind that, that, that they're so driven by, by money and stuff, they spend no time with their kids. And their kids are neglected. And they think, I'm going to buy themselves to, 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 to replace myself with the stuff. But really, what they really need is, is, is the time with their parents. But, but, but they neglect them, and, and their kids are hurt and rebellious because dad and mom are not there because they're chasing after stuff. There's a lot of a lot of relationships that have been destroyed by discontentment. Not only have relationships been destroyed, not only have people crossed the edge and what Paul says have fallen into a, a trap that has destroyed them relationally, but many, many people have been destroyed financially because of discontentment. People who are never content with what they have, they, they buy more than they can afford. They get themselves into huge amounts of debt. That, that they spend more each year than they earn. They, that they have no peace financially. They have no financial stability because they're driven by the monster of more. They gotta have bigger, faster, better. That they're controlled by, by more. That they're never satisfied with what they have. And Paul says people who live like that, people who, who, who are motivated by that, people who live their life that way, that they don't realize it, but they're headed for a, a trap that, that they're on the verge of destruction. And many people, that some of them have popped in your mind right now, that they, they've destroyed their financial stability because of the monster of more. There, there, there are people who, who, because of discontentment, have, have destroyed their, their faith. This is very sobering. As, as I read this this week in 1 Timothy chapter 6, that, that very next verse says in verse number 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, driven by money, consumed by money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. If you've been in the church for, for, for any length of time, you've seen this. You've seen people wander away from God because they're chasing Material possessions. They, they're no longer committed to Christ. They're, they're not seeking God. They're, they're not putting God first. They, they quit coming to church. They quit giving to God's kingdom. They, they quit pursuing God to chase after stuff. And, and you know the interesting thing? And unfortunately, I've seen this as a pastor, and I hate it. And the thing is this, that the people that live this way, I mean, they think that, 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 that the stuff is going to give them happiness, and, but, but once they get that, they're just going to want more, and they're just going to want more, and, and they're driven by stuff. They're motivated by stuff. They, they love money. You know what? They don't see that they, they're headed for destruction. It's just true. 
I mean, I've seen people, but that's how they're living. That's how they're motivated. That's how they're driven. And they don't see that they're headed for a trap. That they're so blinded by the pursuit of stuff. They don't see. They're on the verge of destroying their family and destroying their financial stability. They don't see that they're, that they're so close for, to, to wandering away from, from the Lord like the prodigal son. They don't even see. But you know the interesting thing? Everybody else around them who knows them, they see it. They say, you better be careful. You, you're in a trap. You, 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 you're close to the edge. And everybody around them sees it except them. And Paul says, listen, listen. If you want to be content, you must recognize the dangers of discontentment. There's a, a second thing that I want us to see, a second key to contentment. Number two is this. You must run from carnality and pursue spirituality. Run from carnality and pursue spirituality. Notice what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 in verse number 11, that next verse. He says, but man of God, flee, flee from all this, flee from materialism, flee from loving money and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Paul says, Timothy, let me tell you how to de deal with the desire of always wanting more. Let me tell you how you harness it and deal with it. He says, Here, here's how you deal with it. You run from it. <laughs> You, you flee from it. You, you get away. You turn around and high tell it away from those desires. You see, see, many people think this. Well, here's how I'm going to get content. I'm just going to pretend like I don't want that stuff, and then I'll be content. You know, I'm going to pretend like, like I don't want the new car. I don't really want it. Oh, I don't want it. I want, oh, my heart says, oh, but I don't want it. I don't, I'm just going to pretend. You know, I, I see that. New house, but I, I don't want it. I'm just going to I don't want it. I don't want that house. I don't want it. I don't, I don't want that house. I'm just going to pretend like I don't want it. How many of you ladies have ever walked through the mall? And as you're walking through the mall and passing all the stores, it seems like the clothes are screaming at you. Buy me. Buy me now. Your shirt is outdated. Buy me now. And you I don't really want that. I'm just going to pretend like I don't want those clothes. I don't want those clothes. And, and some of you men, you're, you're kind of picking on your wife right now because she likes to nickel and dime and shop and always buying stuff. You know, she, she's always saving you money because she's got a bargain that she's finding. And, she, and you, 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 you think that's funny. But you know us men. You know what we do? We, we don't nickel and dime ourselves into trouble. We do ours all at once. <laughs> Honey, look at the new boat we got. Check out the $2,000 new big screen television. Glory to God. And that television is screaming at you, and you say, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want, to be, I don't want the boat. And we just pretend like we don't want it. And Paul says, that's not how you handle it. If you want to deal with the monster of more, if you want to deal with that desire that says, you've got to have more, you've got to upgrade, you've got to have more, you've got to upgrade, you've got to. He says, here's how you deal with it. You're not spiritual enough. You're not a big enough boy to fool yourself. He says, here's how you deal with it. But listen, Timothy, you turn around and you run from it. You get away from it. You, you flee it. And not only do you run from carnality, but Paul says you pursue spirituality. Notice what he says. He says, Paul, listen, Timothy, people who fall into this kind of life, they have the wrong focus. They have the wrong priorities. They have the wrong. The reason that they love money is because their focus and priorities are out of whack. And so listen, Timothy, you've got to flee the, the, that, from that life and you've got to pursue. And notice what he says. He says, you have to pursue righteousness. 
He says, pursue, listen, Timothy. I know what the culture is doing, Timothy. I know what everybody else around you is doing. But listen, Timothy, you flee from that and you pursue godliness and faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Paul tells young Timothy that you can't just flee carnality, but the things that you are pursuing, you've got to have a new pursuit. You've got to pursue spirituality. And friends, overcoming the love of money in my life and, and in your life, overcoming materialism in our culture, it is a daily fight. It's a daily fight. And I want you to hear what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, the very next verse. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. I've heard some wonderful sermons on this, and and I've used this verse many a times. I I, I love this verse, and I've used it in all different types of messages. But you know the context of this verse? The context in which Paul is writing is materialism and and not not being content and and loving money. And, And Paul says, listen, Timothy, you have to flee it and pursue righteousness. And I want to remind you every time you're bombarded that you have to have more and you never feel satisfied. And you see your neighbor upgrade and you see your friends upgrade and their lifestyle is better than yours. He says, remember this, remember this. He says, you got to learn to fight. The good fight of faith. You gotta fight not to be materialist. You have to fight to have the right pursuit. Every time your priorities get out of whack and you're no longer kingdom minded, you think I gotta have this, I gotta have this, and that's the pursuit of your. He says, listen, young Timothy, you gotta fight the good fight of faith. You gotta take hold. You gotta get aggressive about following Christ. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And in the next several verses there, Paul continues to refocus young Timothy about what life is all about, pursuing Christ and honoring Christ. Church, one, one of the greatest feelings, and, and I want to be transparent with you today, my, my wife and I are far from perfect. There, there are times that, that our attention can get all focused and, and, and on the wrong track. But, but I can testify to you, one, one of the greatest feelings in the world is to be able to say, I can buy that house. I can buy it, but I'm not because I'm pursuing other things. It's one of the greatest, most freeing feelings in the world to say, I can buy that new car. The issue is not can I buy it or afford it. I can buy it, but I'm not because I'm pursuing other things. It's one of the greatest feelings in the world to say, I can take that trip. I could take our savings and our extra money, and we could take that vacation. We could take that trip if we wanted to, but we're not. Because we're pursuing righteousness and godliness and faith, love, endurance, and gent- there's no greater feeling to be able to say, I can, but I'm not, because I'm pursuing other things. And Paul says, listen, run from carnality and pursue spirituality. There's a third key to contentment that, that I want us to see today. Point number three is this. Realize generosity destroys greed. Generosity destroys greed. Listen to what the Apostle Paul tells Timothy. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17. He says, command those who are rich. Most of you right now, you want to check out. You go, well, that's not me. I mean, I'm not rich. And, but, but what Paul is simply saying is command those who have plenty. Command those who have an abundance. Command those who have more than enough. Command those who have 
excess. And friends, that's, that's most of us in this place. I, I'm not saying everybody, but, but, but it's the majority of people under the sound of my voice today. You, you have one, more than one shirt to wear every day. You, you don't get up and wash the same shirt every day. You, you don't have one pair of pants and one pair of underwear. And if you do have only one pair of underwear, please come talk to me after service. And I want to reconcile that problem and help you out. But, but you don't. You don't. You, you don't have one pair of shoes to, to wear every day. You have to wear, and that's the only, I mean, for the majority of you. Matter of fact, your, your problem today after church is not if you're going to eat. It's what you're going to eat. Because you have plenty. You have more than enough. You and I, we have we have excess. And your eyes are really opened up to this, especially for me when I went overseas and I saw people in Haiti and Malawi and Uganda as I was there and in the villages. And I saw people living in a hut and literally had one shirt and literally wondering where their next meal was coming from. And I began to think, you know what, compared to the, I am wealthy, I'm rich, I've got more than enough. And Paul says, listen, you, 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 you command those who are rich, who have plenty in this present world, and as you look around our world that is you and I in this present world not to be arrogant Paul knew we would have the tendency for people who have more than enough to begin to get a little arrogant a little proud a little snooty you command them don't you dare be arrogant nor notice what it says nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God Paul says listen you command people who have more than enough who have plenty he knew that we would have the tendency of people who have more than enough to begin to depend on our stuff to begin to lean and prop ourselves up on our stuff and Paul reminds us as quick as you got the stuff it can be gone he says you remind them not to depend on their stuff but to continue to put their hope in God to continue to trust in God, to continue to lean hard on God. He goes on to say, notice what he says. He goes on to say, who, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Let me pause there because some of you, as I'm preaching what, what Paul has written here, you, you're thinking, Paul don't want me to have anything. I'm telling you what. I, and that's not the case. I don't. Please don't, don't sell all your stuff and don't have any place to live and knock on my door and ask to move in with me because I'm probably going to say, no, amen. I mean, don't, don't, do, don't, don't, don't do that. That's not, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, it's okay to enjoy your stuff. It's okay to enjoy what, what God's blessed you with. But you know the problem with, with most of us Americans is, is we don't do anything in moderation. <laughs> they had the same problem back in that time in that culture. Says, hey, it's okay to enjoy your stuff, but... But don't fall in love with your stuff. Don't start depending on your stuff. I mean, enjoy, but, but do it with in moderation. You know, I, my wife and I, we went on a date night this past Thursday night. We went to a Mexican restaurant, and I love food, love Mexican food. You know my favorite thing about Mexican food is they bring out chips, free chips, <laughs> salsa and queso and... I mean, I ate, I was eating. I mean, I knew I ordered a chippy chongle, and it was going to be big, and I had refried greens and rice, a side of sour cream. But, but, you know, my attention was on those chips and salsa. I ate all the, I ate all the salsa and, and queso, and, and I knew that I had my food coming. The guy asked me, do you want some more queso and salsa? Yeah, you better believe it. You, you, you better bring me some more. Because we don't do anything in moderation. 
And, and so Paul, yeah, it's okay to enjoy your, you know, it's okay that you upgrade. If you do it within reason, you still have margin in your life and you're still honoring the Lord. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You, you, you can enjoy what, what God has blessed you with. And then he goes right back to, to his focus in verse number 18 because Paul knew he didn't need to spend a lot of time telling us to enjoy our stuff. He knew we'd already do that. So 